0: Guardian Unlimited.
1: Order questions to the Prime Minister. Alistair all Number one, Mr Speaker.
2: Mr Speaker, before listing my engagements, I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in sending our profound condolences to the family and friends of Lance Corporal Jake Alderton of 36th Engineer Regiment who was killed in Afghanistan last Friday. He died in a tragic accident doing vital work in the service of our country and we owe him and others who have lost their lives a deep debt of gratitude. Mr Speaker, this morning I had meetings with Ministerial colleagues and others in addition to my duties in the House. I shall have further such meetings later today.
1: Mr Kimmel,
2: I am sure that members in all parts of the House, Mr Speaker, will wish to associate themselves with the Prime Minister's expressions of condolence. Uh, does he agree that the growing humanitarian crisis in Gaza resulting from the closure of the border between the Gaza Strip and Israel, is the most pressing concern to be addressed at the forthcoming conference at Annapolis. Will he make that the UK's first priority, and will he be pressing the United States Government to do the same? Uh, I'm grateful to the Honourable Member, who's taken a long-term interest in these matters. Uh, The November 22nd meetings at Annapolis are a unique opportunity to move forward the uh, Middle East peace process. Uh, to bring together uh, the possibilities of a viable Palestinian state with a safe and secure uh, Israel. Uh, And I hope that out of these uh, meetings, and we will press for this, uh, under the leadership of President Bush and with 22 Arab states involved, uh, we will find a framework document that can be moved forward over the next year with a view to settling all the outstanding issues. And I have to say this as he mentions uh, Gaza, and also uh, let me mention the West Bank, that if we can see tangible progress on security, then we, the United Kingdom, would be prepared to put a $500 million package of aid into this area so that economic construction, reconstruction can take place, and we will call on the rest of the European Union and America to join us uh, in making it possible for us to show that prosperity can result uh, from abandoning uh, the violence of the past.
0: David yes. Marshall.
1: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Can I congratulate the Prime Minister and everyone involved in Glasgow's successful bid to host the 2014 yeah, yeah, Games? Does he agree that this will regenerate the East End of Glasgow in the same way that the 2012 Olympics will regenerate the East End of London? And will he therefore liaise with Glasgow City Council and the Scottish Executive to ensure that this much needed regeneration does indeed take place? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Let, let me congratulate uh, my hon. Friend who has also been a prime mover in getting the Commonwealth Games to Glasgow. Let me congratulate Glasgow City Council, the Scottish uh, Administration, and let me also congratulate uh, all those who've played a part in securing the Commonwealth Games for Glasgow. We look forward now uh, to what I believe could be the best sporting decade in our country's history, the Olympics in 2012. Now we know we will have the Commonwealth Games in Glasgow in 2014. I would like to see, I would like to see the World Cup, uh, Rugby World Cup coming to Britain in 2015 and England will bid for the World Cup in 2018, a great sporting decade, and I believe everybody in our country will wish these proposals well.
3: Thank you, Mr Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in congratulating Glasgow on winning the Commonwealth Games. It will be a great success for our whole country. And I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Lance Corporal Jake Alderton, who died in Afghanistan on Friday. Our troops in Afghanistan are doing vital work and they have all our support. Four months ago, the Home Secretary was told that thousands of illegal migrant workers had been given clearance to work in sensitive security posts. Why wasn't the public told?
2: Because the Home Secretary acted immediately. What the Home Secretary did What, what, what the Home Secretary did was put in place the security checks, which means that all new security workers are checked. And it means also that all existing workers are going through cheques, cheques which will be completed by the end of the year. Uh, the security agency wrote to employers at the, in the middle of August to tell them that we are stepping up our cheques. These cheques are now moving forward and the likelihood is that all cheques will be finished by the end of the year. Instead of just talking, she acted.
3: I, I didn't ask about what the Government did, I asked about what the Home Secretary said. And the explanation the Prime Minister gives simply isn't good enough. The reason people weren't told is it would have been politically embarrassing. That is what the emails say. The Home Secretary was told, and I quote, Any announcement about illegal migrant workers would not be presented by the media as a positive story. Her private secretary said... She, the Home Secretary, did not think the lines to take are good enough for Press Office or Ministers to use to explain the situation. That's why the public weren't told. Hasn't the Government been caught red-handed putting spin in front of Public Safety?
2: Mr Speaker, it is what we did that matters, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry Mr Speaker, he says it doesn't matter what we did. What we did is important to the security of this country. It is for employers, first of all, to check. It is for employers to check whether they are employing people who are illegally in this country. That is the first responsibility. The SIA is now in a position to do checks of existing workers as well as new workers. And I have to say, and I think the House should know, that when the bill setting up the SIA was being discussed in the House of Commons... The Conservative spokesman said that the Opposition's approach is that it should not place unnecessary, overtly, complex, bureaucratic, (laughs) burdensome regulations. These were necessary to protect the security of our country.
3: This is such a contrast with what the Prime Minister told us in May. This is what he told us that he would be like. He said he would be frank about problems. He said he would be candid about dilemmas. He hasn't been either. A simple question: Can the prime minister tell us when was he told about this problem? When?
2: Home Secretary has been dealing with it right throughout the summer. It, it is an operational. It, it is an operational question, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry that the I'm sorry that the leader of the opposition puts so much onus on press releases. What matters is getting things done. And so we ch- we checked sir, six thousand. We-
1: let the prime minister speak. Oh, be quiet. The Honourable Gentleman, he's been quiet for a while now, so you've got to keep quiet. got to keep quiet. So, Mr Speaker, we have checked
2: existing workers as well as new workers. That process will be completed by the end of the year. The right action was the operational responsibility for the Home Secretary, and she took
3: the action. But, Mr Speaker, why won't he answer the simplest of questions? to say, I have to say to the Prime Minister that if he didn't know, that is serious, but it's not the end of the world. But doesn't, but doesn't he understand that if he won't answer a question like this, people simply won't trust him. So let me ask him again, when was he told about this problem?
2: Mr. Speaker, the arrangements for checking... The arrangements for checking had already been announced to the House of Commons some months ago. The question was what happened when we tightened the regulations. That was the operational responsibility of the Home Secretary and she took the action that was necessary. I'm sorry that the Leader of the Opposition thinks everything should go through Number 10. It is the Home
3: Office that was responsible and they took action. But don't you want to know about a major security lapse in our country? Minister promised us. The Prime Minister promised us a new type of politics. He said he would be open, he would be honest, he would be frank, he would be candid. Yet today, he won't answer the simplest of questions. Shouldn't people conclude that everything he said about openness, about candour, about honesty, was just spin?
2: (laughs) Mr Mr. Speaker, the the key issue is what is actually done. And we took action immediately in July August, September and October. And it's for that reason that the Home Secretary was able to report yesterday that the checks on existing workers will be completed by the end of the year. We did our duty, not press releases, but action.
0: Mr Speaker, yesterday uh, the Honourable Member for Newark, the Honourable Member for Portsmouth South and myself hosted the parliamentary launch of the Honour the Brave uh, campaign, along with Pearl Thurman, and uh, Helen Gray, two mothers who have lost sons in Afghanistan. The aim of the campaign is to secure a medal for uh, those men and women who die and are injured in combat. Could I urge my right Friend to use his good officers to try and ensure that that medal is awarded to these brave men and women and also those very courageous families who are supporting the efforts to secure peace in Afghanistan and
2: Iraq. Yeah. I, I, I too join my hon. Friend in, in, in passing my condolences uh, to the brave uh, relatives of Private John Thrumbull and Private Chris Gray who were both killed in Afghanistan in 2007. And I think the whole House uh, wants to honour all those who in Afghanistan have given their lives and all those who recently in Iraq have also laid down their lives for the country. The the, the question of whether a new uh, medal for both uh, those who have been killed and those who have been injured is struck is a matter for the military authorities, first of all, to make a recommendation. I know that this matter is being looked at uh, with an intensity in the Ministry of Defence. Uh, we look forward to hearing recommendations that are made, and of course we will support those recommendations, and I believe that the whole country does wish to honour those people who have given their lives yeah. and been injured in the service of our country.
1: Vincent yeah. <laughs> Cable, Speaker, yeah. uh, can I add my condolences to the family of Jake Alderton. Uh, this morning the Chancellor wrote to me about Northern Rock and the Government's commitment to minimising the cost to the public purse. Can the Prime Minister confirm that the Government has now lent £24 billion of taxpayers' money to this small mortgage bank, twice the amount of public expenditure every year on primary schools and four times the aid budget?
2: First of all, we are guaranteeing the deposits of uh, savers, and I think that's well understood. And we're bringing forward legislation in the House, and that is absolutely the right thing to do. To move from the situation from 1982, where we guaranteed only 90% up to a certain amount, uh, to guaranteeing 100%, 100%. up to the amount that will be specified when the legislation is introduced. As far as Northern Rock is concerned, uh, uh, the the matters are are obviously commercial in confidence about what is actually happening within Northern Rock. I gather that the stories stories in the newspapers this morning are papers that are unrelated to the Treasury, the Bank of England or the Financial Services Authority but related uh, to Northern Rock itself and I cannot comment on these confidential papers.
1: The arguments about commercial confidentiality are absolutely bogus. Why should should the taxpayer have inferior rights to the managers, the directors and the shareholders of this company? And if he can't tell me how much money has been lent, can he give this house an assurance? that that loan will be paid back in full, with interest, in the lifetime of this yeah. Parliament. Yeah. I, I think
2: the Right Honourable Gentleman, to be, to be fair, um, knows exactly what the situation is. It, it is secured lending that has been given in relation to Northern Rock. That is guaranteed against the uh, assets that Northern Rock has. That is a matter, however, about the future of Northern Rock. That it would not be in the best interest of Northern Rock or their investors to speculate on possible buyers and other possible interests in the company and I hope you'll agree with me that that information should at the moment remain commercially confidential.
0: Can I add my uh, sympathies to those of my right honourable friend from my constituent Jake Alderton who died in Afghanistan last week. I met the family this morning and they're extremely proud of the work that Jake was doing. Uh, he was uh, uh, a credit to his family, to his regiment and to the country. But can I ask my right honourable friend about youth unemployment? There are 810 young people in my constituency who are not in education, employment or training. Does he agree with me that this is an absolute disgrace? But would he reflect on, on how much this figure might be added to if it wasn't for education maintenance allowances? And would he further agree with me that it's in, ra- rather than suggesting that we might abolish this uh, allowance, that it's incumbent on every member of this House to ensure that they do everything possible to ensure that every 16 year old is either in ed- education, employment and training and does not leave school to a lifetime
2: of idleness and unemployment. Yeah. I, I agree with my Honourable Friend. In addition to the major reforms that are bringing about more academies, more specialist schools and more trust schools, and the reform of the curriculum with the new Standards and Qualification Authority, In addition to that, we are extending educational maintenance allowances to enable more young people to stay on at school. We are raising the education leaving age to 18 as a result of the legislation we're bringing before the House of Commons for part-time and or full-time training. And at the same time, we're introducing diplomas Uh, that will have the status, we believe, that will enable universities and businesses to back them. Now when we introduced, uh, or governments introduced in the 1940s, the major educational reforms, the 1944 Act, we had all party consensus uh, on that. I hope that even at this stage the Conservatives will reconsider their position not only on educational maintenance allowances and on the New Deal for young people, but on raising the educational leave to eighteen. And I hope they will not fall into the trap they fell in on grammar schools. We want education for all, not educational opportunity just for a few. Prime yeah.
1: Minister will be aware that today is World Diabetes
0: Day. Will he
3: commit this Government
0: to
1: fulfilling the objectives of the
0: UN de- Resolution on Diabetes that was passed last year, that commits itself to prevention of this appalling condition and indeed to treating those who suffer from the condition?
2: Well, I- I'm grateful to the Honourable Member for raising the issue of research into diabetes. I, I can say that uh, over the next 10 years we will be spending £15 billion pounds on medical research one of the areas where research is most needed is in uh, looking for both a cure and a treatment better treatments of diabetes and we will support all the efforts of the voluntary organisations and the charitable groups that are looking themselves uh, for doing more to cure this disease i believe over the next few years we can make enormous strides forward and i hope both the charitable world and governments can do so together
1: john hippel the Prime Minister agreed that the British Government would be left isolated uh, and without any credit, credibility at all if after uh, ratifying a treaty on Europe which, which had the support of this House yes. and another place it then ignored the authority of Parliament and called for a referendum to renege on that treaty? Yes.
2: <laughs> if, if Parliament, Mr Speaker reti- if Parliament ratified Uh, the European uh, uh, amending treaty Uh, and then uh, other people decided that there should be a post-ratification referendum, then that is the equivalent to renegotiating our membership of the European Union. And I hope Conservative members, and I know 49 have signed a motion saying there should be a post-referendum ratification, will look at the damage that that will do to business, to industry and to jobs in this country. They have found a new way of creating economic instability in our country, and I hope the leadership of the Conservative Party will desist from it.
1: Anne McIntosh.
0: Given the rising price of food and the impact that is having on hard pressed families and hard pressed farmers, what is the Prime Minister intending to do to secure a steady supply of food for this country at reasonable prices but with a stable income for our farmers?
2: Well, the the first thing I can say to her is that I met the National Farmers' Union on Monday and I will keep in regular contact with the Farmers' Union. We cannot but be impressed by the resilience shown by particularly sheep farmers in the light of uh, the uh, difficulties that they've had to face as a result of sheep and uh, foot and mouth and as a result of the other diseases. As far as uh, inflation is concerned and the effect on food prices, Let let me just say this that it is only by running a stable and strong economy that we will keep inflation low and ensure that people's living standards can rise. And that demands us to continue to pursue the policies that have given us stability and growth over 10 years.
1: Stephen Pound. Stephen.
3: Oh, sorry. (laughs) Thank you very much indeed Mr Speaker Uh, uh, Further to the Leader of the Opposition's earlier comments about honesty and transparency can I ask my my right honourable friend the Prime Minister whether he thinks it would be legally my right honourable friend whether he thinks it would be morally right or legally possible for a political party in this country to be funded by a person who is not a resident of the United (laughs) States should
1: not happen.
2: Greg, Greg Hans.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: The Prime Minister will be aware that his predecessor <coughs> spent considerable effort trying to have extradited Hammersmith resident Hani Youssef to Egypt. Mr Youssef appears on the United Nations list of those associated with or belonging to the Al Qaeda organisation. So can the Prime Minister tell us why is the Home Office considering Mr Youssef's uh, indefinite leave to remain
2: in the United Kingdom? Yeah, yeah. Uh, m- m- Mr Speaker, he's raised a question about an individual. I shall look at it and write to him. <laughs> These
0: Speaker, and Is the Prime Minister satisfied with our controls on the circulation of hate material in our schools, now that a copy of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion had been found in the King Ford Academy in London after Ofsted gave that Academy a clean bill of health?
2: Well, well, Mr Speaker, when I, when I make my statement in a few minutes, I will come to an issue about uh, propaganda being circulated in schools, which is of an extreme uh, nature and designed to inflame uh, tensions within communities uh, and what uh, the uh, secretary for schools is proposing is that a group of head teachers are brought together to look at what we can do in these circumstances and to report back about how the circulation of this uh, uh, unfortunate material can be removed
3: hemming thank you mr speaker
1: uh, for children under 5 in 2006 in england 4160 were taken into care and over 60% 2,490 were adopted, but in Scotland 574 left care and 373, roughly 64%, went home to their parents. Can the Prime Minister explain why in England children under five that leave care get adopted, whilst in Scotland they go home to their parents?
2: Social work legislation in the two countries is of course different. Uh, And I shall look at the the figures that he's put before me. Uh, But as as you know, we have made uh, strenuous efforts uh, to try to make sure that children in difficulty are given the proper uh, upbringing, whether it is by returning to their parents or where it is essential by being fostered or by being adopted. And I will continue to look at this uh, matter. But I think he's got to understand that social work practice in both countries is different.
1: Chris Roone, the Airbus factory in North Wales is the largest and most expansive factory in
0: Western
3: Europe. In the past 10 years, Airbus have taken on 1,200 apprenticeships. They are the biggest apprentice trainers in the UK. Does my right honourable friend agree with me that apprenticeships, along with opportunities in FE and schools, and also opportunities in the private and the voluntary sector, is the key to giving our 16-year-olds the
2: best chance, the best start? for adult life. And I I congratulate my Honourable Friend on the numbers of apprentices growing in his constituency. Ten years ago, there were only 60,000 apprentices in the country. Now there are 250,000. Our aim is to raise that number of apprentices to 500,000 over the next 12 years. And this, Mr. Speaker, is the biggest expansion in educational training opportunity that the country has seen. And I hope that all parties will be prepared to support the diploma, the raising of the age to 18, the growth of apprenticeships, more young people getting to university, and, of course, the reform of the curriculum that we're bringing about. This is educational reform that is genuinely giving educational opportunity to all.
3: Peter yeah. yeah. What precisely has Lord Malik Brown done to deserve his grace and favour apartment? Yeah. Lord Mallett
2: Brown is a minister of the government representing our country. Represent, representing our country, and with the experience he brings uh, from his role previously in the United Nations, he is helping us in Darfur, in Zimbabwe, he is helping us in Afghanistan, he is helping us in Pakistan, and he is doing a great job for the
3: government. Thank you Mr. Speaker. On Monday of this week, Ronald Castro was convicted of a murder that he committed 32 years ago when he murdered Leslie Mosee. That conviction was only possible because we've introduced a national database on DNA which the parties opposite voted against. What does my right hon. Friend have to say to members of this House who have been talking tough on crime this week but when it comes to votes in this House don't back that talk up? I I,
2: I have also to say that DNA and the use of it has increased convictions for rape uh, by a very high number over recent years and I hope that all uh, members of the House will reflect on this new evidence uh, that, where we are able to bring people to justice as a result of the use of DNA, it justifies the legislation we brought before the House of Commons, and I hope we can gain all party support for it in the future.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Will the Prime Minister join me in acknowledging the hard work of Bexley Council in partnership with Bexley Police in being tough on licensing issues in the borough? I know the Prime Minister doesn't like answering questions, as we've already seen today in the response to my But will he recognise the detrimental effects that his government's licensing acts having on town centres with regard to antisocial behaviour, binge drinking and noise nuisance, and do something about it?
2: As as, as he knows, a review of the 24-hour licences is already underway. As he may also uh, want to know... I'm meeting the uh, retail industry over the next few days to talk about the practices in relation to the selling and marketing of drink, particularly the dangers that befall uh, teenagers as a result of that. I also want to meet the drinks industry to look at what they are doing in relation to advertising and warning young people about the dangers of binge drinking. And yes, we will look as councils are looking at, areas where young people are congregating in numbers uh, to drink and see what can be done about that. I agree with them that we need to take action on this, and we are taking action in these areas.
1: Dennis Skinner, Uh, does the uh, Prime Minister agree that uh, 1992 will always be remembered for being the year of Black Wednesday, but it was also the year of the Heseltine pit closure plan, which marked the end of every single pit in the Derbyshire coalfield? Since that time, and a strong economy, we've got 3,000 jobs on the colliery sites already. Next year, with the opening of the 29A junction, there will be another 5,000 jobs. We have dragged the area from the depths of Tory degradation brought a new lease of life to the goldfields. that's what separates us from the Notting Hill mob.
2: <laughs> Mr Speaker, so sometimes uh, the members opposite are in danger of forgetting that under their previous government, three million people were unemployed. And they must not, also, they must not forget that under this government, we have reduced unemployment by a million. 300,000 single parents have found work. We're reducing the numbers of people on incapacity benefit and we're only doing this because we have stability and growth in the economy. Something that never happened when the right honourable gentleman was the economic adviser to the Conservative yeah.
3: government.
1: You,
3: Mr Speaker. The Prime Minister may be aware of a recent cross-party inquiry report which examined whether our servicemen were put in danger's way when when they were present at the British nuclear test during the 1950s. Given that other countries have much better track records at recognizing their duty of care to their veterans, including the US, which makes for automatic compensation, Will the Prime Minister meet with the Honourable Member for Norwich North and myself in order to try to progress this matter for the benefit of these dignified and loyal veterans? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, I, I'm, I, I'm grateful to him for raising this issue, and I, of course uh, I will meet uh, him and his uh, Honourable uh, friend. Uh, and let me just say... Uh, uh, and, and my Honourable friend. And, and, let, and let me say the Government uh, recognises and is grateful to all servicemen who participated in the nuclear testing programme uh, and their, their, their service ensured that Britain was protected uh, during the Cold War. But I have to say that well-documented procedures were in place to ensure the safety of uh, servicemen participating. Uh, and most ex-servicemen uh, were found to have little additional exposure. But if there is any new information that is to be brought to bear on this, I shall be very happy to look at it. Yes.
1: David Taylor, question
0: 11, Mr
2: Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker. The selection of PFI as the procurement route for building schools for the future follows a detailed assessment using the Treasury's value for money guidance. And since 1997, 1,106 schools have been rebuilt or refurbished. $31 billion has been investment, invested. Investment through PFI has delivered 275 of these uh, built or refurbished schools since 1997. In other words, 25%. percent
1: Thank you, Mr.
0: Speaker. The uh, building schools for the future programme is... Uh, is welcome on all sides of the house but half of the half of the eventual 50 billion pounds cost is being financed by inflexible pfi schemes having exorbitant annual costs of uh, over two thousand million pounds for 25 years and more can my right hon. Friend say why local authorities have to take risks on behalf of schools over which they have very little control and what costs will fall on the taxpayer if PFI schools prove not to be sustainable and have to be closed prematurely?
2: I have to say that his own Leicestershire area has benefited from 60 millions of investment in projects in education, in health and in other areas and it just simply would not have been possible to build the number of schools, the number of hospitals and to refurbish the number of schools and hospitals without using the PFI model and I have to say to him that it is because of PFI and the additional public investment we're prepared to make that we can look forward to every secondary school being modernised or refurbished and now a programme also has been brought in for primary schools as well. Of course it wouldn't happen if we followed the policies of the party opposite who want to cut investment in education and health.
1: Yeah. Number, number 12, Mr Speaker. OK. Thank you, Mr Speaker. The, 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 Prime, the Prime Minister... The Prime Minister has a justified reputation for striking fear into the hearts and minds of junior ministers through his um, micro um, control of everything that goes on in his government and his control freakery. Why why won't the Prime Minister answer the simple question of my right honourable friend, the member for Whitley, when did he know about the problems in the Home Office? This was a
2: matter for the Home Secretary who was taking all the action that was necessary and she dealt with the problem in a calm, efficient and dignified way.
0: And there's more discussion of today's news every day from 12 noon on News Desk. That's Guardian Unlimited's daily news podcast at guardian.co.uk slash podcasts.
3: Guardian Unlimited.